Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Once again, I'm excited to have another leader in the world of sports on Leaders Lead with Van Malone. We've had coaches and administrators across the country on all levels and in many different sports uh, join us. They've had fabulous insight that we continue to share on this odd podcast. I always say that it has been a remarkable experience for people that I encounter, but it also has been an, really an unexpected uh, experience for me that I'm that I'm excited to be able to uh, partake in every week. I'm a football coach, but I've learned something different every time we jumped on this ride. It's been amazing because we've had a chance to share with conference commissioners, athletic directors, head coaches, and even Super Bowl champion coaches. Well, this time we got a special guest. Right, Our next guest, Chad Chatlos, has had a terrific career in top college athletics. And he's worked tirelessly to help coaches and athletic programs succeed. Chad, man, we're glad to have you in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear your story. It's a unique story. Uh, so, so thanks for coming on with us. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, you know, it was good to see you in Phoenix and, and, and the other day on the, the podcast for the MT, the Minority Coaches Association. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of good people, and uh, looking forward to talking with you today. Yeah, I, I, I was going to talk about that. It's like you and I, we're, we're, we're starting a band, you know what I mean, for about the last 14 mm -hmm. days. We've been all across the country together, and, mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I will jump into that. Here, here in just a second. But you know, my mom, she always used to say, say to me, uh, she'd say, don't ever say what you won't do and don't ever say where you won't be. Um, because, you know, as I've gone through my life, I've, I've found myself in places that I never thought I'd be. For example, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that I'd be a coach at North Dakota State University. Well, you know, when, when we talk about your journey, Chad, uh, it's, like I said before, it's a very interesting one. So talk to us about your journey from being a former college athlete at Navy to now being a leader in one of the top firms in the nation in terms of specializing in senior executive searches. Yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I grew up in Western PA. Uh, my dad played football at Michigan State for Duffy Doherty. Uh, I grew up around the game. Um, always knew I wanted to play college football. Um, probably overachieved. I was 5'10", 165 pounds in high school. 
good athlete, but, you know, I wasn't, you know, blow anyone's socks off in with my numbers and size, strength, and speed. But I worked hard. I grinded, and, and I, I was fortunate. I had good grades, so I got recruited to the Naval Academy. And, you know, small world for you, uh, the ticketing AD at the Naval Academy was Gene Taylor when I got yeah. there, your, your current AD. So 30 yeah. years ago, I met Gene Taylor in the ticketing office, and he was a stickler on the rules, I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, every player got sure. four tickets. Right. Every player got four tickets, and he – if if we if you left four tickets at will call and all your people didn't show up, my man Gene would take away whatever tickets weren't used for you next week. So <laughs> that's a true story. I'm telling you. Um, right. Anyway, um, so listen, I was very fortunate. I had two coaching staffs at Naval Academy, so I got to learn from a lot of different coaches. My first coach on the field was Dean Pease, who's been a legendary coach. You know, two Super Bowl win, winning defensive coordinator with the Ravens and the Patriots, and now with the Falcons. Maybe a lot of coaches. Greg Madison was on that staff. You know, Tom Amstutz, Kevin Rogers. I was fortunate enough to be around a lot of these smart, accomplished coaches at a very young age. But, you know, I mean, the, the academy teaches you so much. You, it's time management. It's discipline. Uh, it's not the funnest place to be, um, but it's a great place to be from, um, you know, and get those experiences. And, you know, football, the military aspect, the education, and then, you know, after I was the defensive captain my senior year, I was very fortunate and, and honored to be voted in there. Uh, after that, I was a GA coach before I started my Marine Corps career of six and a half years. Uh, and just very fortunate to be able to serve this country, to be uh, a lot around around a lot of young men and women who, who've given so much um, to this country. And it just really was the core band for me. It set my life, you know, um, for going forward you know I got out of the Marine Corps when I was 29 years old and for the past 21 years I, I've worked in the business of sports agencies brands teams leagues now doing executive search and <clears throat> I think we'll probably get to it here in the few in the next few questions but you know it's really shaped me um, to be a, that servant leader to be a great teammate um, a great collaborator uh, you know I love helping people like you know listen Sunday night, you had us involved with that thing. You know, I'm doing this Monday night. You know, there's other things I could be doing, but I love helping people. I love sharing what I've learned. Um, I didn't get here by myself. Um, I've been fortunate through my career that people have helped me, right? So I, I love doing what I do. I think I have the best job in the world where you know, every day I'm helping a young coach, a young administrator uh, realize their dreams and get that next big job. And maybe it's a first-time head coach. Maybe it's a coordinator. Maybe it's an athletic director. And uh, I just feel very fortunate to be in the position I'm in. And, and of course, you've taken all my questions. But, <laughs> you know, one, one of the things that I, I just want to go back to this, you know, because I was, I was going to say I, I read that you are a decorated Marine. And, you know, I'm always telling you thank you. You know, every time we, we interact, I say, man, thank you for what you're doing. You know, thank because I, I do. I do appreciate the attitude that you have. I do appreciate how you serve young coaches, how you try to serve young administrators. And so I'm always saying thank you, but but I like to say, man, thank you for your service to our country. And then I was, you you hit it on the head. I was gonna ask you how how serving in the military helped you as a leader, but, you know, this is, I just found this information out that, that you were, uh, uh, that you were a Marine and, uh, and I can see some of those ideals. Uh, my family is a military family. And so you, 
it, it kind of answered some of my questions about the way you about the way you operate. But you know, I also found out that you're on the National Advisory Committee for the SEAL Legacy Foundation. What is that all about? So my best friend and Navy football teammate, he was number 25, I was 26, so we were lockered right next to each other for four years. We became Marines together, we were coaches together, and then he had a calling to become a Navy SEAL. So he was one of, at the time, only four Marine Corps authors, officers to successfully transfer back into the Navy and go through BUDS and become a Navy SEAL. His name's Mark McGinnis, Commander Mark McGinnis. And, uh, you know, he's been a Navy SEAL for 17 years. And unfortunately, he, he's lost a lot of brothers in the, uh, you know, the mission of the SEALs over the last few years. And he, 10 years ago, he started a charity called the SEAL Legacy Foundation. So I, I help him um, with my background in golf, working for the PGA Tour. I help run a lot of our fundraising golf tournaments to raise money for the SEALs. And great mission, you know, helps uh, you know, educate the, the, the left behind widows and, and kids of Navy SEALs who have fallen. Um, SEALs have been injured. It helps them uh, you know, with grants and with scholarships. And we do a host of things that um, no red tape. Money comes in, we send it out, and, and we try to help those who are serving our country every day. So I'm, I just feel very fortunate. And, you know, I learned so much from them. You didn't talk about leadership. Um, these SEALs are unbelievable. I was a Marine, as you mentioned, and I've seen some pretty, you know, badass Marines and do some, some unbelievable things. But these seals are another level, um, and the thing that's a, it's so impressive about it, Van, and it really translates over to what we do, you and I. Um, it's the humility on these guys. Right. The 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 guys that are out there writing the books and doing the interviews, and I shot Bin Laden, and I did this, and I rescued Captain Phillips. Those aren't that. That's the one percenters, right? That the 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 Brotherhood of Navy Seals, very humble very brotherhood related you know how always thinking about their teammates always thinking about their partner um you know and again these seals are usually platoons or teams of 12 or 13 people like a basketball team right or a football defense or football offense everybody everybody's got a role you know sometimes you're going to be the star you're going to score the touchdown but if the offensive line doesn't do their job you're not scoring any touchdowns right it's right. the, the same principles in the military and especially the special forces and the seals you know, you might be a sniper on one mission. You might be rear security on the next. You know, one's a little bit more glamorous, but you have to do your job. You have to be bought into the culture. You have to be bought into the brotherhood and the, te the teams, right? So that's that's the thing I love. That's one thing I've taken. I think you were starting to ask me about, you know, leadership in the Marine Corps. One thing I learned at a very young age is, you know, I graduated when I was 22 years old, and I was a, a platoon commander. I had Marines that were 29, had been in the Marine Corps for 29 years. And I was 22 years old leading them. You know, someone who's, who was doing, who has been in the Marine Corps before I was born. So you want to talk about a leadership challenge. You, you know, they tell you, hey, welcome to the Marine Corps. You're 22 years old. And now you're in charge of these 50 Marines, half of which were, were doing this before you were born. So I, you know, I learned real quick, Van, that I don't know everything. You know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. But I learned how to listen. I heard how to, how, to, how to trust my enlisted leaders, you know, my sergeants, my staff sergeants, master sergeants. And, you know, that was one thing that I, you know, everyone has to salute me because I was an officer. You know, everyone has to salute the head coach because he's running the show. Right. Everyone has to salute the athletic director or the president because they're, but, but 
the smartest leaders are the ones that listen to the people underneath them and provide, you know, real opportunities for them to shine. And right, and the and you know this, the best leaders are the ones that put smart people around them, people that are quite frankly better than them. That's right. And let them do what they do. So yeah, again, the military just taught me that at a very young age. And you know, I've tried to take that on in my career and and I try to impart that onto young coaches and administrators right now. I mean, a lot of these guys and gals come out and feel like feel like they have to have all the answers. Right. And and you don't, you know, you you do your best serve when you seek advice and you listen to those that and down the road before you so you don't make the same mistakes they did. And that's something that we continually hear. We hear it from leaders across sports uh, who say you don't have to have all the answers, who say that honestly it's best when you are when you are surrounded by people who have expertise and you trust them to be able to give you the answers. Uh, so you I know I know you're a Marine but this is one of the books, man, that, that honestly has been one of my favorites over the years called Be No Do, because you talked about at an early age being thrust into a position of leadership. And, and I learned from that book uh, many years ago. I, I read it and I've read it a few times since, but uh, I learned from that book that, that you have to train your men. You have to train, you have to continually be developing leadership. And I always, when I read books, mostly read leadership books, and uh, I always try to try to take that, those ideals and put them into a football team, you know, put them in. I got a freshman who is my four string running back, but one of these days, he's going to be a starter. And, and, you know, especially in this era of COVID, you know, he might be a starter before I'm ready or before he's ready to be a starter. So I have to be training him at all times to one day. And I'm talking about in the leadership facets, but I have to be training him at all times to one day step into that role. And so it's kind of cool to be able to listen to you talk. Um, so, so we kind of alluded to it earlier, you did, uh, the fact that we've had opportunity to work together on some of these events like the, the Arizona event where the Fiesta Bowl put together the pathway to the summit uh, for, for diverse leaders. And then with the MCAA and the MCA of Georgia putting together uh, the mock interviews where we had over 55 ADs and representatives from search firms there to be able to give coaches an opportunity to go through that, that mock interview event. I want to ask you, why is it so important for you to be a part of things like that? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm an evolver. I'm an adapter. Uh, I, I'm not a guy that likes things to stay the same. Um, you know, and, 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 and again, listen, I've learned so much this past year, you know, with the social justice issues. And my best friend at the Naval Academy was, was black. He's still one of my best friends, Marine together, Marine pilot. I'm the godfather to his daughter. Like, and you know, this being in the locker room, like as, as a white football player, I'm surrounded 80% of my brothers are black or, or minority. Mm -hmm. I never thought about it. I never, I just looked at them as my brothers, you know? Mm -hmm. And I made, you know, I made the comment to my, my best friend uh, during the, the George Floyd and, and all the stuff that was going on. You know, I, I made the comment that, hey, I just, I just don't see color. And he goes, see, that's where you're making a mistake. 
you know you think you 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 because you don't see color you view everyone equally but like you have to see the color because you have to see what we're going through and you know he enlightened me about so many different times where we'd gone to parties and maybe people were staring at him because he was you know the minority guy in the party or whatever and i just it never clicked for me like you know just because right. we were all boy and like so i learned so much this year about white privilege for example right um you know bi uh, unknown biases and so I, I made a promise to myself especially in the career that i'm in right now that i was going to be a part of the solution and i was going to do whatever i can to make sure you know that that, that people who are deserving no matter where they're coming from are going to get opportunities and you know the, the exciting thing for me is that it has not been a struggle with my clients. So my clients are typically athletic directors or presidents, right. and they're coming to me now saying, where's our diversity? Like we want diverse leaders, you know? So, you know, in the past, when I started doing this eight years ago, people were saying, you know, we need, we need to have a diverse pool more from the look of having a diverse pool. Right. Now they're saying, now they're saying to me, I want a diverse, I want to make a diverse hire. Give me the best, you know, minority coaches, minority administrators. So, so I've seen a real change the last, even the last four or five years. And um, now I think we, you and I talked about a little bit in Phoenix and I talked to coach locks about this too, with his initiatives, we've got to do a better job of putting people in the pipeline to get these jobs, right? Everyone, everyone thinks, well, power five, power five. Well, where do the power five jobs get filled from? The group of five, typically the group of five, right? You got to be a head coach at, you know, um, South Florida and San Diego State and, you know, Massachusetts before you get Boston College, Kansas State, Columbia, right? right? right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's great when we get, you know, people want to focus on, you know, Kevin Sumlin, Derek Mason, lost their jobs, Power Five, you know, how we replace them. Well, the way we replace them is we get guys, you know, in the in the group of five leading programs and having success. Because that's where the ADs are typically going. Usually, you know, one of the first things, Van, that an AD says to me, especially on a football search, is, can I get a sitting head coach? It's the first thing they say, you know, because there's risk associated with hiring a coordinator who's never been a coach, a coach before. There's so much coming at you as a first-time head coach. Right. So, so, so back to this is a long way around it, but we, we, you know, presidents, chancellors, athletic directors, search firms, coaches, agents, have to do a better job of getting more uh, minority and diverse leadership at all levels of coaching. D3, 2, 1, FCS, group of five, power five. And that's that's the way we'll get this thing where it needs to be. And, and I'm, you asked me, why am I involved in it? And I hope you saw the passion in it because I believe in it. And I believe in it because it's the right thing to do. It's It's fair. And it's what our young men and women need to see. They need to see people like themselves leading. You know, uh, what was I saw? A, a, I have two daughters and a son, and I saw a, a gift the other day where uh, the there was a little girl, and someone was saying, teaching her to not dream to be a princess, but to dream to be a CEO. Right? It's just it's that mentality. It's like right. let's not pigeonhole our talent and stereotype what you can and can't do. Let's allow, let's help people rise and, and get to, you know, where they want to be. All right. Yeah. I, I, um, there, there's two points that I want to make to that is that one is, is that, you know, I understand. And, and we talked in Phoenix about the fact that the head football search 
the media is driving it. The, the fans are driving it. They want it to go. Who's going to be our coach? We need to get on with somebody. Let's go. Let's go. So uh, that moment, I believe, is a stressful moment for everybody who is in the de decision-making uh, party, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so they are, when you get stressed, what do you do? You go to what you know. You, you said it earlier, you, you don't take risk. You don't, you don't go outside your box. Well, well I believe that, that there is a challenge and, and the way we get better is that we, is that we explore diversity, that we're willing to explore diversity, that we tell the fans, hold on just a second, that we say to the press, hold on just a minute, that, that we explore diversity because there's, in my opinion, there's strength in diversity. Mm -hmm. I have the opportunity here at Kansas State, and this is my second point, I have the opportunity here at Kansas State uh, as assistant head coach to, to work with Gene, to work with our head coach, Coach Kleiman, mm -hmm. and, and I'm getting opportunities to learn and grow uh, as the assistant head coach, but doing the things that Coach Kleiman as a head coach uh, is is participating in. And so I think that when when leaders in programs also give coaches the opportunities to grow, you know, then, then there's not so much of a risk, right? Because you, you ask me the question, well, what have you dealt with as a head coach? Well, I hadn't been a head coach, but I deal with practice setup. I deal with, I've, I've run staff meetings. I deal with uh, conflict on our team. I deal with the press uh, uh, in terms of having doing press conferences. And so there's so many things that as a first time head coach, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would have to learn on the run, but there are many experiences that I have had the opportunity to, to have as assistant head coach. So I, I do, I see your passion and I appreciate your passion. Um, but, but in that passion, I, I kind of know this answer. But you, as a former player, you remember the, the yell of the crowd and, and what that did for you. And then for me, as a coach, I see the light, light bulb go off in a player's life. And that might be on the field. That might be out, off the field. I continue to pound something in his head. But eventually, I see that light bulb go off. Well, as you think about your day-to-day, -day, what is game day for you? Where does your thrill come from? Uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, listen, there's nothing like – I'll tell you, I'll, my senior year we were playing Army, as we always do, we always end the Army-Navy game. Right. And, you know, at the vet, the old Philly Stadium, 78,000 people. And uh, I remember just in the fourth quarter, just there was a timeout. I remember saying, you know what, take a mental picture of this, right? And, you know, 30 years later, I still remember it. I can still remember the crowd noise. I remember looking around, seeing the scoreboard, the people, the cheerleaders, the team. So, you know, and there's nothing that replaces that, you know, I mean, I don't care what you do. Um, you know, a good buddy of mine I played with at the Naval Academy, he ended up transferring to Penn State, playing the Rose Bowl, playing the NFL for eight years. He came back later and told me that the Army-Navy game is, he said, there's nothing like, I, I mean, I've been, I mean, people in Super Bowls and the Rose Bowl, he said, just the tension and the pressure, you want to beat those guys so bad, you know. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I had that, you know, I had that. I'll never forget that. Now, you know, how do you replicate it? It's tough. But I, right. for me right now, like I said a little bit earlier, um, I love, and especially in this job, that I don't go to a cube, uh, work every day and, 
you know, I'm working for company X and I go home and I come back the next day I work for company X. One day I'm working for Kansas State, the next day I'm working for Ole Miss, the next day I'm working for Clemson, the next day I'm working for, you know, Texas. I love that. And, and, and it allows me to interact with a lot of coaches, a lot of student athletes. Like one of the favorite things that I get to do, Van, well, especially when we're doing an athletic director search, to kick it off, I'll go on campus and I'll meet student athletes and I'll ask them what, what they're looking for in their next athletic director. And just to sit down and, and watch, like, see their 19-year-old eyes and, you know, you've got the world ahead of them and they're, 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 they're studying at night and they've got the weights in the morning and running in the morning and then they've got competition. Like, that for me is what gets me excited about my job every day because I'm, I'm going to be a small cog in the machine that helps land their next athletic director who will impact their life. He'll, right. he, he or she will hire the coach that coaches them right? He or she will raise the money that puts into the academic tutor, the nutrition, the mental health, the weight room. So I'm playing a small part in someone that's going to affect their life and their academic and athletic experience at the university. So that's, that's what gets me charged. And that's why I take it very seriously, because I know how much the student athlete experience meant to me and really has defined my life. I, I mean, I, I still, I still have dreams at night and I wake up in the morning of, I'm going into the game. I can't find my helmet. And you know, it's like that scary moment of like, you know what I'm talking about? Like that's yes. the stuff I dream about. I don't dream yes. about something that happened, you know, two days ago. Right. I think about 30 years ago when I was playing and play that I wish I would have stopped or, you know, right. it's, it's stuff. It just sticks with you. So I, I believe in it. It's, it's, it shaped me. And I, I'm just so happy that what I do right now as a 50 year old, I get to interact with these kids that are they're doing that right now. And it's, it's, it's really fun. And, and and that's what's so amazing, you know. As I, as a former player, when I when I was done with the NFL, you know, there was no other place, there was no other career field that I would go into, and I, I didn't know why, but uh, I was going down the the path of coaching, of sports, something in this arena, and you know years later what I do understand is that we all have a purpose and and my purpose is to change the world and you just talked about it a second ago in different words uh, but my purpose is to change the world through sports and, and what I mean by that is uh, I'll lay it out just a little differently than you did but the young man that I coach I don't know his name but one day he's going to have a son and the ideals that I taught that player, he's going to teach to his son. And that son is going to have a son. And because I taught that guy that he's supposed to work hard, that he's supposed to serve others, that he's supposed to do all these things other than tackle somebody, <laughs> then, then that young man is going to have a daughter. And that daughter is going to find the cure to cancer. Yep. And, and so that's the way I look at it. And, and, and it makes me understand how important this role that I play is. And it also, as I talk to you, it makes me understand how important your role is because you are responsible for hiring the athletic director who hires people who have the same vision as I do. And so you change the world. Right. And so I, I just look, I read another book, uh, The Energy Bus. And, and The Energy Bus talks about the fact that we all need to realize that we have a bigger calling than what we do every day, you know, and that 
we, we've been placed here that we have a purpose and it's important that you figure that purpose out so that you can get busy getting busy on on that purpose um and so uh, i i do appreciate you know your your thought process when it comes to that now now you've been doing executive searches for many years like you said on an elite level but but when you start to put together potential candidates for a role how, how do you identify who might be the best fit for these roles yeah you know i think i'll tell you that a lot of the work that's done for these searches is done years in advance you know i mean and we don't get a search and just go oh okay it's uh you know, we just did kansas uh, you know, who would be good for Kansas? Let's, let's start looking. No, like I've gone to coaches conventions. I've gone to practice. I've gone to the, you know, the, the functions that we've been at. I'm meeting coaches all the time. I'm trying to understand what's important to them, where they'd be a fit, where they've had success recruiting types of staff they could put together, you know, their mission and values and their culture that they create. So you're just, you're working constantly all the time. So that when Kansas comes up or Texas comes up or whatever, Rutgers comes up and, the, and you, you, you talk to the school and you find out what the situation is and what they're looking for, then you think, you know what, I've got people. I know, I know what you're saying, what you're looking for. And, you know, a lot of times our role is kind of to protect the school from themselves. <laughs> I, you know, I'm serious. Like they can get, they get so excited. And you right. made the point earlier about the media and the pressure you know, a search comes open and media and fans or donors, there's 50 names out in the paper the next day on who should be the next coach. Right. And, and you'd be crazy to think if you, the president and the board don't read that thing. Yes. So, you know, I'll come into a search and like, we need to go get this coach. We need to go get that coach. And I'll be like, hold on, hold on. You know, let's talk about what the opportunity is here. You know, what, what, do, what are you looking for? What's been the reason we're in this position? What, what hasn't worked? What are the challenges? You know, and, and I'm a big believer in putting the work in up front. Yeah, I'll give you an example. We just did the ACC commissioner search and the Pac-12 commissioner search. And for the first month of that search, all we did was talk to stakeholders. We talked to 100 stakeholders, FARs, SWAs, ADs, coaches, student athletes, everyone that this commissioner is going to touch and ask them what, you know, and all that work is, is to gather information so we know, okay, this is really what the opportunity is. Because if we call five people and say, what do you need your next coach? We might get a skewed vi uh, version of what they, those five people think. So you got to do the work. You got to talk to 50 people. You got to talk to 100 people, find out what the opportunity is, and then you go to work and start looking at names. And, you know, here, you know I'll be real honest with you. We don't know everyone, right? There's no way we can meet every coach, every up-and-coming coach. And, an established coach. So we, we do the best we can to get to know people up front. We spend a lot of time with agents, right? Hey, who, who you got? Who's your next guys that are ready? We'll meet them, you know, interview them, get to know them. Um, we'll spend time talking to coaches, proven head coaches, who you got on your staff? What do you like about them? Who's the next coordinator or position coach that's ready to elevate? Why? And again, that's, we're doing that year round, year round. So when the search comes, we, we're not starting from scratch. So it's, it's a lot of work, Van. There's no secret sauce. Anybody that would tell you, oh, you know, I've got this database or I've got this and we just click a button and we know who the best fits are, right. that's, BS, that's BS, right? It's, right? it's just like you uh, with your players. It's reps, right? You, the reason you practice and you do all the reps is because with more reps, you get better. And that's how we are too. The more people we meet, the more practices we go to, 
the more coaches conferences we go to, the more ADs and sitting head coaches we talk to, the smarter we get, the more knowledgeable we get. And, and that's why really these ADs call us. You know, there's confidentiality we can help with. We can talk to agents. We can do other things. But at the end of the day, they don't have time to do what we're doing on a daily right. basis. They can't. They can meet and know tens of coaches. We can meet and know hundreds of coaches. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're bringing to the table. Great. So, so we've had some awesome leaders uh, that we've exchanged ideas with uh, about the best strategies to provide leadership. And, and, you know, they always point back to someone who has helped them learn the fine art of leading people. Who, who in your life has been the best leader you've been around? And, and what, are the, what are a couple things that that person taught you? Yeah, you know, I, I, that, that's a tough question. I've, uh, between my Navy football career, my Marine Corps career, my professional career, I've been around a lot of leaders. Um, it'd be tough to single out some coaches that, I, you know, Dean Pease was great. Um, you know, I learned a lot from Jed Hughes at Corn Ferry when I first started the search business. I had some leaders in the agency and business world um, and certainly in the military, some generals that I worked with. But, you know, I, here's what I would tell you. So I've had a lot of good leaders around me. And I touched on some of these characteristics earlier, but the things that I've learned that I, I think are the, are the most important in my career are, you know, humility. Again, like I talked about listening, you know, everybody wants to talk. Every, people that feel like they're smart, they know the answers. All they want to do is talk. The smartest people listen. Yes. And, and it's the truth. And it's hard, especially when you're young. You know, like when I was young and coming up in the business, I wanted to prove myself. You probably run into this all the time with young coaches and GAs. They want to prove themselves. So they talk. They want you to know and build trust. And they want you to understand how much they know. When really that they should be doing is to be listening, right? And absorbing everything. So, you know, I think, you know, that, and then, you know, the humility piece, and really the, the teammate, being a good teammate, like there's nothing that's better than that. If you want to be successful, be a good teammate, right? That's stuff because then what do you have? You got like in the football world, especially on the defense, you got 10 guys fighting their tails off to help you out, right? If I'm out there, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to blow off my coverage. I'm going to try to make a pick and, and be selfish and try to get some stats. Usually what happens is I blow my assignment and something bad happens to the team, right? right. Yeah, so, so, you know, I think I learned at a young age that the team concept, the brotherhood concept, and then right after Navy, you know, the Marine Corps, it's the same thing. So, you know, I, I think I got a little bit of a PhD in leadership, you know, by the time I was 26, right? Um, I'd been really through unbelievable schools of leadership. And you know, those are the things that I've kind of taken with me. Every day, when, no matter what I'm doing, I'm, I feel like I'm trying to help someone. And when I usually try to help someone, I get something out of it. I, you know, I get... A tremendous amount of, and I learn a lot. The, the the minute I catch myself telling people what they should do, and given you know being, you know more of a talker instead of a listener, that's when I it clicks for me, and I kind of dial it back because I I believe that I can learn more with being a lead a servant leader and listening as opposed to being a dictator telling everybody what to do. Yeah, and I man, you 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 wrapped a whole lot into that, you know, and. I, I have personally have so much respect for leaders in the military. Um, I have so much respect for the academies uh, on the football field. You know, I've had opportunity, uh, uh, or I should say 
I wouldn't call it an opportunity, uh, but but I've played against Navy. And, and the challenge is when you play against Navy is that you have to be more disciplined than they are. But how can you do that? You know, how can you do that with a guy who, who wakes up in the morning and he's eating discipline? When you wake up in the morning, you're missing class. You know what I mean? And so, so it's, it's, a, it's a challenge uh, 100% when you play Navy. So I've always had great respect for the teams because we all know the way they play. We all know the style that they play with. But it's, it's much more than that, you know. And so, uh, you know, I, as, as we talk about leadership, you said it, being a Marine and then uh, graduating from the Naval Academy, that's like a leadership pizza, right? Yeah. And so, uh, man, I, I, I could not be more proud to have you on a, in a discussion about leadership. Yeah. But what, because you kind of alluded to it again, as you look back on your life, the early part of your life, right, the early part of your career, what would you tell your younger self that you knew that you know now? What would you tell that young guy uh, about how he should proceed that you know now? Yeah, you know, listen, I'm, I'm going to try to come up with a different answer because I could broken record that again and just say, hey, put your head down, work hard, listen and learn, right? That's kind of been the theme of what I've been talking about. But, you know, I think the one thing I would tell myself is to be patient. You know, this goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. As a young 20-something, you just want to run. I feel bad for these kids now because with social media and everything, there's so much pressure. You know, they see their, their, their buddy getting promoted. They see their buddy's a head coach, and they're still a coordinator, or they're still a position coach. And, you know, there's so much external pressure, and it's so visible. You know, I, you know when I was uh, playing at Navy, People didn't know who our athletic director was. They knew who the football coach was. They didn't really know who the assistants were. Right. You know what I mean? But now everybody knows everybody, and everybody feels like they're, it's free game, that you can take shots at people. And just I, I feel for these young kids, young administrators, young coaches, young student athletes, because there's so much pressure to do something now, right? You know, uh, immediate results. Like, how about these young coaches? Like, you know, Mike Krzyzewski would have never been Mike Krzyzewski now. They would have fired him after his third year at Duke, right? They, the, 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 the expectations of the quick turnaround, um, you know, so when I sit here and tell you, like, patient, be patient, the modern-day world doesn't necessarily allow for patience, right? Um, it's play now or you're going to transfer in the transfer portal. It's win games now or you're going to get fired as a coach. It's uh, hire the right coaches as an AD or you're going to get fired, right? We we did a study – where we kind of analyzed the, uh, the uh, tenures of ADs across the Power Five, Van, and it used to be 10, 12 years, then it was eight, nine years, then it was six, seven years, and now it's trending towards five years, right? And, and, and why is that? Because it's so, everybody's so visible, the stress of the job, the, you know, the, the constant 24-7 of being on in social media. So, um, you know, I think I would tell my younger self to be patient as, as much as you can. But in this modern day world, it's, it's very hard. Right. Well, if you think about, you know, when, when you grew up, you, you, you went to your grandmother's house. And uh, so grandmother knew you were coming. 
and um, it's Sunday. Well, well, grandmother started cooking and preparing that meal that, that you were going to eat on Sunday. She started preparing that meal on Saturday, sometimes on Thursday, right? And, and so, you know, by the time you got there on Sunday, the meal that you ate, grandmother had 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 her hands she 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 worked that meat that turkey that beef whatever it might be and when you finally arrive there's a lot of love people always say yeah man my, like grandma's cooking because grandma didn't put it in the microwave you know what i mean and and grandma the meal was not prepared in right. 20 minutes you know what i mean and today in our world, we move fast. We know a lot. We can we can travel to Greece on our phones in two minutes. You know what I mean? In thirty seconds, and and so we got a lot of information, and so we won't tell me right now. I don't have time. I got to go do something else. And so uh, th there's not a lot of concern of, on the process. You know, uh, we always talk here at Kansas State about the process. There's a process you want to hear as you recruit that you're going to come in and play, that you're going to come in and you're going to start day one. Guess what? You didn't do that at ABC High School. <laughs> you know, you didn't start day one at ABC High School, but the media and and social media and the fan, all these people tell you that you should, but there's a process in the things that you do. And so we have to you hear respect that process. You know, mm -hmm. and 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 when we start to do that, or there's some programs that know this is how it's gonna be, you know, and 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 I think if if we could just slow down and 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 take ourselves back to that, I do understand it's difficult, right? Because yeah. phones and computers and everything is moving even faster. Yeah. You know, it's not slowing down. Uh, but I think you know, uh, to to your point, that that's um, you know, that's kind of part of our part of our issue and and uh we continually have a role you and i and in our worlds have a continual role to make sure that we have kids understand that and and that we continue to put put real wisdom i believe that's what we would have to call it wisdom into their heads to make sure that they understand you know that, that this process import is important but on the other thing too, yeah, that's a great point, Van. The other thing too is that you see a lot of these kids making these mistakes because they don't they're in such a rush to do things, they don't think of the consequences. I mean, so, I mean, some of the stuff that's happening on campus is good quality, smart kids are doing dumb things. Yeah. And and it's because they, they get pushed into a situation. By the way, it's all captured on video right now. What these kids aren't making a lot of let's say different mistakes than the previous generation it's right. just it's just here's my phone i'm recording right. it and it's, right. you know so so but the pressures again and i think you know i was telling someone the other day this generation will never know like when i was starting my work career you left at five or six p.m you didn't you was like i'll see you the next day you didn't take work home with you on on the weekends at night but that phone like you you can't get away from it now right you can't get away from work you can't get away from social pressures you can't get away from from anybody. They know that you've got that phone, and if you're not answering, then something's up, right? Right. So, right. Um, but yeah, I think uh, this is one thing I think the sports has the opportunity uh, to really help in this age because you know, there's no phones on the football field. Now. Right. 
you go out on private, there's no phones, right? Like un getting these kids to unplug for even if it's just three hours is so beneficial to them for their mental state, for their physical state. You just, uh, you just, and, and, and like I, I was talking to some players in school and they, they, were, they were dreading practice. I used to tell them, we love practice. Like, give me away from the, mil the military, the, the classes, you know, the formation, study, like that was our rest. Yes, right. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're dreading going to practice? What are you talking about? So um, I, that's why I think where we, you, especially as a coach, really have an opportunity when kids are unplugged and forced to be unplugged to really make an impact um, and really get them thinking about things that matter, family, faith, brotherhood, being a good teammate. Uh, and what doesn't matter, the number of likes you got, the number of clicks, who looked at your profile, right? So, you know, I, uh, you know, that, that's one of your challenges, my friend, going forward. Right, <laughs> right.